0: Oh, we can do better. Hallelujah. Put your hands together for the Lord Jesus. You want to celebrate the Lord for all that he has done for you the previous week. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Yeah. My simple task this morning is to bring the word. Amen. Uh, Before I do that, I want to acknowledge our Father for this great opportunity uh, to share God's word even with you. Praise God. Shall we pray? I want you to talk to the Lord. Just one minute. I don't know what your expectation is from his word this morning. But every day you enter the house of the Lord, you must desire a word from the Lord. Because one word from him will change your life. Amen. So talk to the Lord. Just one minute. If you want to pray in the language of the spirit, you can pray in the language of the spirit. But talk to him that, Lord, even as your word is coming, this is the altar of God. Give me a word in season. Give me a word that will bring transformation. Bring me a word that will turn my life around. A word that will break the chains. A word that will heal my body. A word that will turn my situation even around. Let's talk to God. Let's talk to God. Thank you, Lord. We bless you, O God. We magnify you, O God. Thank you, Lord. 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 Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, we bless you for this morning. Even as we are gathered in your name, Father, we are gathered to hear your word. May we hear only your voice, not the voice of a man. We pray, O God, that open us up to another realm of glory, even in your word. And our heart desire, O God, is that may you give us word and may you give us power. So that we can walk with you in victory and walk with you, O God, in success as you have ordained for us. We thank you and we bless you. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. The Rhema focus for the month of March is a glorious church with a renewed state of mind. Hallelujah. And that is a focus that the whole month, um, the Lord through our Father has given to us a direction that we are going. And I want to speak on something I know I've shared before, but the Lord kept pressing my heart to share. And that is the place of the word in renewal of minds. Hallelujah. The place of the word in renewal of minds. And if we can just look at the first scripture, James chapter 1 verse 21, I'll be glad. The place of the word in renewal of mind. The time has come for everyone who is a child of God to begin to give the word of God its rightful place. You didn't say amen. Because everything, I keep saying, everything that we see on the earth today was made by the word. In the beginning of creation, God created this earth by his word. So everything our eyes behold is by the word. And even when it came to the salvation of mankind, God sent his word to come onto the earth to come and die for us. Hallelujah. So that tells you and that tells me. That the word of God is of prime importance and we ought to give it its rightful attention. Amen. The Bible says in James chapter 1 verse 21, it says, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He says, when you receive the engrafted word, the implanted word, the word that has, that is placed in your spirit, man, he says, that word will save your souls. But he is talking to those who are born again. So what does he mean by that? Hallelujah. You see, when we got saved, our spirit man got saved. Whenever we we confess Jesus as the Lord of our lives, we got born again. But our spirits were saved. Every man or every person on the earth comprises the spirit, the soul, and the body. Amen. But when we got saved, it was our spirit man that got saved. Our soul didn't change. Amen. But he's showing us that how our souls also get saved is to receive the engrafted word. And that brings salvation to our souls. And in our church, one of the things we believe in is sanctification. And that is progressively giving yourself to God's word and the Holy Spirit for the salvation of your soul. Hallelujah. And so when a person gets saved, his mind, his or her mind doesn't change. The soul realm is the same as the person was not saved. But the responsibility we have after we are born again is to walk with the Lord so that our souls will be saved. Now, the soul comprises the mind, the will, and the emotions. And so when it says, receive the engrafted word, which is able to save your soul, it means that as the word of God enters you, it brings your mind in control, it brings your emotions in control, and it brings your will also in control. Praise God. It means it aligns your mind, your will, and your emotions with God's word and God's purposes and when we get to that state he says then our souls are saved praise god so if you are born again believe the greatest responsibility you have now is the salvation of our souls sometimes we wonder why is it that somebody gets born again and then we hear or we see the person doing some things and then we are wondering ah why is the person doing this? I thought this person was a Christian. Hallelujah. I thought this person just walked in front to give his or her life to Christ. Why is it that a person has taken to drinking again? Why is it like this person is fornicating again? Why is it like this person is doing the things of the world again? It's, there's no problem. The only problem is that the person's soul is not saved. The only problem is that the person's mind is not renewed. To have a renewed mind is to have the mind of Christ. That is a mind that is turned to the word so much that we live as Jesus lived on the earth. And so if a person comes into Christ and a person's mind is not renewed or is not turned to God's word, the person cannot live as Christ wants us to live. And that is how come you see that sometimes we get saved and we have very serious or sometimes difficult challenges You know, with many things, some believers get saved and wonder, "Why is I'm so struggling with these things?" Hallelujah! It's not necessarily because there is a demon, but it's just because our minds have not been renewed. Amen. And the Lord wants us to pursue a renewal of mind. It's an ongoing process. And so long as we are on that path of mind renewal, we'll begin to see that the strength of everything that used to control us, its power will begin to break. Amen. And so he says, lay aside all filthiness and all superfluity of naughtiness. That is everything that we do that is not in connection or in line with God's word and God's will. Then he says, how are you going to do that? He says, receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. Praise God. The other day we said, your word have I hidden in my heart so that I will not sin against you. So it is the implanted word even in our hearts that keeps us away from sin. If the word is not planted in us, we cannot move away from sin. Amen. And so for the believer, God's word is very, very, very important. Praise God. Let's look at some questions and we'll answer them. The first one is, why do we need a renewal of mind? I, I hinted it, but I want to get into details in this section. Why do we need our minds to be renewed? Let's go to Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. Colossians 1, 13. Why do we need our minds to be renewed? It's so that we can live for God, yes, but why? The Bible says in Colossians 1 verse 30. We'll look at two scriptures. The first one says, Who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. So it means that before we came into Christ, there was a place we used to live. There was a way we used to live. There was something, some power, that used to control us. And that is what is called calling the power of darkness. And that is the power of the devil. Now, no matter how beautiful you are, no matter how wealthy you are, no matter how intelligent you are, if you are not born again, that power is still controlling you. And so, it doesn't matter who the person is. If the person does not know Jesus, if the person is not born again, that power is still in effect. And the person is still a slave to the power of darkness. So here he's saying that when we got saved and we confessed Jesus as our Lord, one of the things that happened is that we were delivered from the control, the dominion or the kingdom of darkness. And we were translated into the dominion and control of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Amen. So that means that a believer, even as we sit today, we are in the kingdom of God. Amen. Sometimes the understanding we get is that we are now going to get into the kingdom of God. But Paul teaches us from his writings that the day you confess your sins and the day you make Jesus your Lord, he says it, you are translated into the kingdom. Hallelujah. So you are a bona fide member of the kingdom of God. You are a citizen of the kingdom of God. Aren't you glad? Hallelujah. It means that no matter how you looked, no matter whether you were wealthy or not, no matter whether you thought that you were beautiful or handsome or you had this or you didn't have that, the moment Jesus becomes your Lord, you are recognized by heaven as being a member of the kingdom of God. Praise God. Now, if you're a member of the kingdom, it should mean a lot of things to us. Amen. It means that we are not just ordinary people walking on the earth. We are not just people trying to add to the number. We are not just trying to make it. We are very special. If if heaven has record of us, if heaven has an acknowledgement that we belong to heaven, then we are truly special. Hallelujah. Praise God. And let that be our mindset every day. Amen. I'll talk more about it. Let's go to the next scripture. 1 Corinthians 3. 13 uh, 19 to 20 and all i'm trying to do is to point us to a fact that even though we left the world our minds did not leave the world and the responsibility has given us is to take our minds from the world hallelujah and bring it into christ so that we can experience every measure of blessing that is in the kingdom amen First Corinthians 3:19 it says, says, For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. So there is a world which has its wisdom, and there is where God dwells, and there's another kind of wisdom. But it says that the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. It says, For it is risen. He takes the wise in their own craftiness. Let's go to 20. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise. It says that they are what? Vain. So it says the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. Then it says that the thoughts of the wise, it says they are vain. What is the Bible saying? What does it mean by the wisdom of this world? The word world there is the Greek word cosmos. Now cosmos means a system. I put here it means a complex, orderly, self-inclusive system. I'll break it down. It is a system of thought or a thought pattern. A system that defines a way of thinking that is not consistent with the word of God. Hallelujah. So when you talk about the world... You know, we say that we should not live according to the world. Hallelujah. What world are we talking about? We are talking about the systems of the world. Of course, we are not talking about the plants and the trees and all those things. No. But we are talking about a system that is in place that has a way that it operates. Hallelujah. And when we were in the world, we lived that way. When we're in the world, we, live, we just lived anyhow. We thought that if you met a woman and you loved a woman, you could sleep with a woman. That was the way of the world. The systems that was in place, controlled by the devil, detected how the world operated. And so because we were under that authority, we lived just like that. And that is how everyone who is in the world is living. They are living according to the wisdom of the world. Now, the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of God are different things. In fact, they are opposites. In the world, if you want to prosper, what do you do? You have to say, invest and save. But in the kingdom, if you want to prosper, what must you do? You give and you sow. Can you see it? So, it is two different kingdoms and two different systems which are in place. But so long as we are thinking the way of the world, we cannot experience the power of the kingdom. Amen. And so he wants us as believers to have a renewal of mind that is turn our minds from the world and turn our minds unto Christ and into the kingdom of God so that we can experience the power thereof. Amen. Now he says, for the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. So it means that wisdom, it, it, it defines a certain understanding or insight into how the world's systems operate or how the world operates. And so that's what he's calling the wisdom of the world. And when you go to verse 20, it says, The Lord knows the thoughts of the wise. That is, those who have the wisdom of God, it says he knows their thoughts, the way they think. Now what it means is that the wisdom of the world reveals or shows or directs a way of thinking so if somebody is in the world the person has a way the person thinks the person has a mindset and if the person is born again that person also has a different mindset or ought to have a different mindset that is why if you go to your workplace and you tell them every Sunday you go to church they can't understand it they ask so every Sunday you go to church yeah, my, sometimes when we talk about these things they are, they, are, they are wondering Ah, so every Sunday you go to church and I'm like I, I don't even understand the question because every Sunday I go to church hallelujah because it is the, the things of God is foolishness to them because they have a way their minds work they have a way their minds operate Rather, if you are told them that every Sunday you go to the bar, every Sunday you go to watch a football game, every Sunday you go to watch a soccer game, they will not be surprised. Because that is the way the world thinks. Hallelujah. It thinks in, uh, according, to, according to its wisdom, how its systems operate. But if you are a child of God, hallelujah, God does not want you to think that way. Because so long as you are thinking that way, you can't experience the best that is in the kingdom. All that God has for you, you can't experience it. And many a times, that is a challenge. When you meet a believer who is struggling, ask the believer, what is the state of your mind? Ask the believer, what is your relationship with God's word? Because as you will see, it's the word that renews our minds, as we saw, that saves our souls. Praise God. So when you are pursuing the wisdom of the world, it defines a way you think. And when you are pursuing the wisdom that is in God, it also defines the way, a new way that you think. And so if we want to have a renewed mind, we must, what must we do? We must pursue the wisdom of God. Praise God. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 6. Paul says, Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect or among them that are matured. He says, We speak wisdom. So, this is Paul speaking by the Holy Spirit, saying that there is a wisdom that we speak. Now, he even reveals how the wisdom of God comes. He says, It's through what? Speaking means it comes through the word. Amen. So, he says, We speak wisdom among them that are mature. Then it says, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world. That comes to naught. God says it's foolishness. Hallelujah. And so there are two kinds of wisdom. That's what I want to draw attention to. There are two kinds of wisdom. There's the wisdom from God or the wisdom of God. And there's the wisdom of the world. Now, all these types of wisdom determine or set the tone for what we think. If you are pursuing the wisdom of the world, it will change the way you think. If you are pursuing the wisdom of God, it will change the way you think. Hallelujah. So if we want to walk in God's best, then we must pursue the wisdom of God. Amen. But when we got saved, when we got born again, our minds didn't change. So it means that our thoughts and the way we used to think is still similar to those who are in the world. And so there is a case for renewal of mind. If you don't pursue renewal of mind, I came to announce to you, you cannot experience the best of God. It's very difficult to walk in God's will if you don't pursue the renewal of mind. Romans chapter 12 verse 2, it says, And be not conformed to this world. It says, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. So, if the believer is going to experience the transformation that is the kingdom, the believer must have a new mindset. The believer must change the way he thinks. The believer must not live in conformity to the world, in which case he's operating according to the wisdom of the world. But he must live in conformity to the kingdom, in which case his mind is being renewed. It says that is when he will be able to prove, he will be able to test, he will be able to discern, identify what God's will is. It says His good, acceptable, and pleasing will. So if the believer wants to walk in God's will, you need a renewal of mind. Amen. The question is, how does that come? Let's see something about the word and then we'll continue. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17. Ephesians 1 17. And we need to know what he has given us and how he wants to help us to get to that place where our minds will be renewed. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. The Bible says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, it says, may give unto you the spirit that is the Holy Spirit he's talking about here. Of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. What does it mean? He says, he has given unto us the Holy Spirit who leads us to God's wisdom and revelation through the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So it means that for the believer, I want to read what is here. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. And it means that he's the one who leads us to gain access to the wisdom of God. That is understanding and insight into the systems of the kingdom. That is how God does his things. When Jesus walked on the earth, that was the way he lived. And if you remember, Jesus always anointed the people around him. The Pharisees were anointed. Because what they knew and how they wanted things to be done, Jesus didn't do that way. Hallelujah. The Sadducees were anointed. Everybody who came to contact with Jesus was anointed. Because Jesus was the very embodiment of the kingdom of God. The word of God. And when he walked on the earth, he was with the wisdom of God walking on the earth. So it means that he operated according to a different kind of system. Other than what we knew to be in the world. And so the people were angry at him. Hallelujah. But the Holy Spirit has been given to us who is the spirit of Christ, to be able to live as Jesus lived. Hallelujah. It means that the Holy Spirit leads us to wisdom. He brings revelation that gives us insight into how the systems of God works, the kingdom works, how God operates, what God wants from us, and how we ought to live. Amen. And because he leads us into all these things, we come into the wisdom of the kingdom of God. And that changes the way that we think. But how does it come? It says it comes through the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. But we know that Jesus is the word of God. So it means that it comes through our knowledge of what? The word of God. So if we are not given to the word as he wants us to, we realize that all the blessings of God in the kingdom belongs to us, but we are unable to tap into it to experience it. And that is the case of many believers today. You know, it's sad because it looks like the wisdom of the world appeals to us more than the wisdom that is found in the world. In the word. Many believers lead their lives according to what motivational speakers say. Yes, many people have, you know, very good motivational messages that they soak every morning. This is a believer. Hallelujah. And so you realize that your faith goes up today and your faith comes down tomorrow. You realize that because your faith goes up and comes down, today your finances go up and tomorrow your finances go down. Today your health goes up and tomorrow your health comes down. Hallelujah. Because today you are living, you believe the word and you are living according to the word. Tomorrow you switch to the wisdom of the world and you believe. And so the power of the kingdom is no longer working as it should. That is an error. Hallelujah. We are superior to the world. The wisdom of God is superior to the wisdom of this world. If you are a believer, I came to announce to you that there is a spirit in you called the Holy Ghost. And he has come to enable you to live a superior life. Yeah. So in every aspect of your life, you must excel. You don't need lectures from the world. You don't need tidbits for, of, of marriage and relationships from the world. Hallelujah. The Christian marriage is not according to how the world does its things. If you want to go the way of the world, you will miss it. That is the wisdom of the world. Hallelujah. You need to dwell in the wisdom of God. That is how we walk in victory. Amen. And that comes to us through the word of God. The question now is what is the word? Amen. Because we need to know what the word is and to know how we can interact with the word. What is the word? Let's see the first one. I said the word. There are three aspects of God's word. The first one is what we call the Logos. And what I call the living word. The Logos is the living word. It is the personality of the word. It is the person of the word. So number one, the word of God is a person. Let's see um, John chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. Say, the word of God is a person. Can you say after me, "The the word of God is a person. Say it like you mean it. The word of God is a person. And he is Jesus. Amen. So every time you interact with the word, you are interacting with the living being. And that is Jesus. Just as the apostles had Jesus to teach them and to preach to them. We also have the word of God to teach us and to preach to us. So, just as they desired always to sit under the feet of Jesus like Mary did and Martha was doing something else, we also must desire to sit under the word for the word to bless us. And Jesus commanded Mary, he says, Mary has chosen the best things or the better things. And then he told Martha, he said, only one thing is needful. Can you imagine? All that Jesus has been doing, he says, only one thing is needful. That is to submit and sit at the feet of God's word because it is the word that will give you the wisdom of God. It is the word that will bring you the faith of God. It's the word that will bring you the healing you need. Everything that you need in the kingdom, the word of God will bring it to you. In fact, everything that Jesus did when he walked on the earth, the word of God will do for us. And so when we don't see the word as a person, we don't have a desire to interact with the word. You know, in growing up, there are many things you hear about the word. And sometimes, if you go only according to what they said about the word, you will belittle the word. You know, sometimes we're told that the word is just a book that gives us pieces of advice on how to live so that we won't sin, so that we can go to heaven. Hallelujah. That is true, but that is not the only thing the word of God does, it does more than that. Hallelujah. The word imparts wisdom to us. I came to announce to you that every time you open the word and you get into the word, there is a person of the word that is speaking to you. It is called the administration of the word. And that is what the apostle said in Acts 6. That they will not forsake the administration or the ministry of the word and come and serve tables. It means that the word as a person must minister to you. Every time you sit to read, every time you sit to study, every time you get into it, that word is speaking and the word is changing your life. But maybe you don't don't see it. In this day where we want everything to be instantaneous, you know, fast food, fast this, fast this, fast this. But the word goes gradually. Hallelujah. And it causes a change in us. Praise God. It says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So the word is a person. John chapter 1 verse 14. It says, and the word dwelt amongst us. It took on flesh and dwelt amongst us. And that is Jesus. The person of the word. But the word is also God. So anytime you are in contact with God's word, all these three you are encountering it. The first is the living word. Hallelujah. The second is what I call the written word. Which I call the graphic. The written word. And let's see. Um, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15 to 16. You know, traditionally we say the logos is the written word. But I, I, I struggle always to reconcile it according to what I see. But in the scriptures, what is written, they call it the Holy Scriptures. And the Greek word used for the scriptures is the graphi. But the logos is Jesus, the living word, which is logos. Hallelujah. And the graphi is the word that is written. And I always say that the word graphy is used a lot. You know, we have photography, and it means pictures on a surface. So when it talks about graphy, he's talking about something or the word which has been written on a surface. That is the written word. We'll see more clearly in another scripture. 15, it says, and that from a child you have known the holy scriptures. Amen. Which are able to make you wise. Praise God. It says, Paul is telling Timothy that from the time you were young, you have been interacting with the scriptures and the scriptures are able to make you what? Wise. Is anybody here lacking wisdom? I came to show you the solution to wisdom is the scriptures. Hallelujah. Sometimes in our lives, we think that we need wisdom. And sometimes we think that we need men. I know we need men to give us the word so that we we'll get wisdom. But the primary thing you must do every day of your life is to always have an intimate relationship with the red, with the scriptures. Because he says it, which are able to make thee wise. The, word, the scriptures themselves, as you read, they impart the wisdom of God into you. And as they impart the wisdom of God into you, they change the way that we think. That is, the renew our minds. So, if you are a believer, you must daily interact with the word. Sometimes we have too much time for many things but the word. You can meet a believer who can tell you every hot button news item in the U.S. right now. But ask the same believer to quote just one scripture and it will be a problem. Hallelujah. You are ignorant of the word but you know more about the knowledge of the systems of the world. So how are you going to experience transformation? It's hard. You know, sometimes we give ourselves to this news. It has no benefit. It gives us information. And most often it puts fear into us. Like the beginning of the year when the U.S. and Iran were at it. It put fear into everybody. Hallelujah. The news, that's the source of the news. But the word of God imparts faith and not fear. So we must give ourselves to the word every time. We must not substitute our time with the word for nothing. There's nothing in this world that will benefit you more than the word. So instead of sitting out listening to CNN or ABC or whatever the channel is, put it off. Hallelujah. And begin to get into the word. And you begin to see a lot of transformation in your world, in your life. I'm being honest. I remember those days in Ghana, my father used to buy almost every newspaper that... He could lay his hands on. And when it's Saturday and he goes out and he comes home, he brings almost every newspaper. I mean, that's a lot of money he was wasting. Hallelujah. And this man will sit down and read every one of them. And one day I went to him and I asked him, "Sir, said, so, as you have been reading, has this thing done anything to you? <laughs> Hallelujah. It's brought, what has it done so you know that this person is, is that? What change has it brought in your life? nothing. If you have a headache after reading the news, but the headache is still there. If you have marital problems after listening to the news, the marital problems are still there. Hallelujah. Any difficulty and challenge you possess after giving yourself to the news is still there. Amen. But what you need, you need the word. Because that is what is going to cause the transformation you want to see. If the word is not in you, you can't see transformation. When you watch, read the Gospels, when they came to Jesus for healing, he says, do you believe that I'm able to do this? In other words, do you have faith? So, if, if the power of the Holy Ghost is going to bring transformation, it depends on the faith you have. But every day, our minds are set on the news. Every day, we are hearing things about what Donald Trump has done. Hallelujah. Don't we get tired? <laughs> no, it's true. Don't we get tired listening to these things? Amen. You need the word brother. Tell the one sitting beside you. You need the word. So go for the word. Say it again. You need the word. So go for the word. Amen. Amen. Romans 15.4 It says for those things which were written. Before times were written for our learning. So that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures. That is the same word that is just graphic. That which is written. We might have hope. If you are lacking hope, I came to announce to you, there is a source of hope, and that is the Holy Scriptures. Amen. Amen. If some situation is plaguing you, and you can't see your way out, just get into the word and begin to read. Hallelujah. If there is a child that is delayed that has not come, you will begin to read about Hannah. And as you read about Hannah, and how God met Hannah's needs, you begin to have hope. Yeah. Amen. Yes. So when we read, we have hope. And the Bible shows us that hope is the foundation of faith. Faith is the things, the substance of the things we hope for. So if there is no hope, you can have faith. Amen. So it gives you hope. It gives you, it shows you how God has done it for others. It reveals to you the power of God and it encourages you so that you do not give up. That is hope. Praise God. And that is what gives us the faith to go on. And so many people are working in this life, they are depressed in this country. I never knew depression was a thing until I came here. Oh, seriously. I mean, it's, we use the word, I'm depressed. I say, ah, why is everybody saying that? It's that I'm depressed. When you watch some of the TV shows, you know, in this country, I always say, everybody has a sad story. You know, every competition, somebody will tell a sad story. And the bottom line is that, oh, I, I was depressed. I was like, ah, what is this depression that everybody is confessing? Don't they know what the word of God can do? Amen. Amen. And sadly, many believers say these things. Many believers say that. Oh, I'm depressed. I don't know what to do. I'm confused. I'm depressed. That is not your confession as a believer. Amen. Amen. Get heavy dose of the wisdom of the word. Get the Holy Scriptures into your spirit. Spend time with God's word. Stay with the word enough. Hallelujah. And very soon, you will stand up and you'll be going. You'll be speaking and declaring. And it won't be long, you will see the glory of God. Hallelujah. We must not accept the wisdom of the world. We must not accept the situations of the world. Because we possess the Holy Ghost. We possess the word that makes us superior. Hallelujah. The Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. It doesn't matter what the world brings against you. I came to announce to you, there is sufficient power in the kingdom. There is sufficient glory in the kingdom. There is sufficient anointing in the kingdom to handle every need of yours. Praise God. It begins with giving ourselves to the word. And the last one is the revealed word or the remark. So we have the living word. We have the written word. And we have the revealed word. And every time we interact with the word, all these three, we are interacting with it. The graphy has been written. But what has it been written about or who has it been written about? Jesus. So, the graphy has been written about the logos. So, you can't know Jesus. I mean, you can't just stay there and say, okay, uh, Jesus, reveal yourself to me. It doesn't happen that way. Hallelujah. Although many people try, they will pray, oh, I always say that Jesus can even come and reveal himself to you. And when he goes, it will make any difference. Hallelujah. Because faith does not come from visions. Faith does not come from prophecies. That is why Paul told Timothy that all the prophecies that you have heard, you make sure that it helps you to wage a good warfare. Because prophecy of itself won't change your life. Until you lay hold on that word in faith. And then that prophetic word comes into manifestation. Hallelujah. And the source of that faith is the word. And so everybody who is born again, you need to give yourself to the word. We must not waste time. Hallelujah. We, we think we have time, but we don't have time. Look at how when you go to work and you come home. And then the cycle, will come to church, it's like a cycle. You don't have time. So we must not waste the time on other things which are not important. We must get into the word. Amen. Hallelujah. And we will excel. Amen. It says, it gives rema. Rema is the revealed word. Rema is how the Holy Spirit imparts the wisdom of the kingdom into us. Because as we stay with the graphic, as we meditate on what is written about Jesus, The Holy Spirit gives us insight. It gives us understanding into how God operates. And that is how the wisdom of God comes into us. And so when the believer is not interacting with God's written word, how is he going to get access to the wisdom of God? How is his mind going to be renewed? How is he going to experience the change that God wants to see in the person's life? Beloved, there is nothing on this earth that is more powerful than the word of God. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. If you are able to get the word of God into you, you become unstoppable. Oh, yes. If you are able to get the word in your mind and the word in your heart and the word in your mouth, and every day you work the word, you speak the word, you pray the word, you live the word, every blessing in the word will begin to manifest. That is our story. Amen. So, living the blessed life is not a mystery. It's not like you need some, uh, what do you call it? Major super prophet <laughs> to live a blessed life. No. In fact, it's an insult to the kingdom for you to chase a man, for you to be blessed. Hallelujah. You don't need to chase a man. I'm not saying we don't need prophets. I'm not saying we don't need pastors. I'm saying that the purpose of the prophet and the pastor and the apostle and the evangelist and the teacher is to get us into the word. But many a times, many of them fail. And they sell visions to the church. And so you see that somebody goes to church or oh, he feels or she feels that our church, oh, we have it. Hallelujah. But let a small wind blows, and the person is falling down. Let a small headache comes and he has to call the prophet. Let a person get a stomach pain. She has to call the prophet. Let a person ha- want to travel. She has to go. Call- what kind of life is that? Amen. It's because you don't know what the word says. It's because you are lost. And so fear has gripped you. And those men, because it gives them, you know, a certain position. And so they like it and they remain there. They will give account of it. Hallelujah. Because it's God who calls prophets. But no matter how anointed you are as a prophet, your primary call is to build the church. Amen. It's not to sell visions and prophecies. There was a man of God I like so much. He's a prophet. And when he started, he would just have this consultation. And the people would there plenty. He was so happy. And when they come, you give them the visions. He kept doing it, kept doing it. After one year, one day he was giving, he was seeing a vision and he saw Jesus. And Jesus told him, what business have you selling visions to my children? Give them the word. Yes. And then he changed. Or he was wise, so he changed. Hallelujah. So we, we, there's something about the word. It is the only thing that can bring lasting changes in our lives. If the word is absent, you will struggle. I've I've been working with the young people a long time. And sometimes you see that they have significant challenges. And I tell them their only cure is the word. If the word comes into you and you are grounded in the word, all these challenges, there won't be a problem. Yes. Because it's the only thing that blesses. It's the only thing that, same thing that heals. It's the same thing that saves. It's the same thing that delivers. It's the same thing that prophesies and you have it every day amen some of us we put on our pillow and we sleep on it <laughs> and we think that they, it, they will afford us protection hallelujah but the more we sleep on it the more the devil gives us knocks <laughs> because it's not the word the, the thing that protects it's the revealed word it's your faith in the word that protects So, if you are not getting into the Word, you having the Word under your armpit will not protect you. You know, those people they put in the armpit and they want everybody to see that they are spiritual. Yeah. They put it under their pillow, it will give them sweet dreams, but they have more nightmares. (laughs) Hallelujah. Because you need to read it, it needs to change your mind, it needs to give you the faith. And the Bible says, it is the faith which is a shield that will quench all the fiery darts of the enemy. So the enemy will throw arrows at us. The only way we block it is through faith. And the Bible said, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That word is used. Romans chapter 10 verse 17 is rima. So the source, as you meditate on the graphic, which has been written about the logos, the Holy Spirit gives you rima. Amen. It gives you insight. It gives you understanding. And that becomes the foundation that you operate with every day. And nobody can take it away from you. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, this is a secret. The things that you see in the word, the devil himself can't even take it from you. He can't. Because it's secured in your heart. And it becomes how you live. And every day you live from victory unto victory. Because the word is eternal. And he eternally blesses. Hallelujah. Amen. Psalm nine, verse 130. The Bible says. The entrance of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Other version says. It makes wise the simple. It means that as the word enters you. If the word is not entering. It doesn't make you wise. That is Rima. Hallelujah. So you need to hear the word every day. You need to get into the word every day. And then as the word enters you, it says it makes you wise. It enlightens you about the kingdom. It shows you how God does his things. It shows you, it gives you understanding about why Jesus did the things that he did. So that you begin to walk and live as Jesus lived. That is our story. Listen, the mind of God is not to raise superstars in Christianity. That is an insult to the kingdom. The mind of God is not to raise celebrities in the kingdom. There are no celebrities in the kingdom. If somebody is a celebrity pastor, go right to the person and say that you are off tangent. You are missing it. There are no celebrities in the kingdom. The blood of Jesus is an equalizer. Everybody who has been washed by the blood is worth the same thing. No pastor, no, no prophet is worth more than you. Hallelujah. There are no celebrities in the kingdom. Rather, the vision of God is for everybody to mature into the fullness of the stature of his son, Jesus. So that we can function as Jesus functioned. That is all. He gave us those people so that they will raise us up to walk as Jesus walked. Not for us to become slaves and servants to them. Amen. Amen. And finally, their are uh, lavish lifestyles. God forgive you. Hallelujah. No, are you understanding the conversation? Praise God. How do we renew our minds? We know what the word is. We know the word is a logos, the living word. The word is a graphic, the written word. The word is a rhema, the revealed word. But how do we, how, how does the word do its work or does it work? Let's go to 2 Corinthians 10. Let's see something there. Verse 4 to 5. And I want to get into the architecture of the mind, if I can call it that way. And so that we understand how thoughts form and how they become entrenched and how we need to dispel them. Hallelujah. Because sometimes a believer is there and a new way comes. New ways of doing things come. And a believer just gets hooked onto it. And before you realize, the believer begins to live that way. An example I always use when I'm talking about these things is the concept of beauty. And I say this because a lot of young women and even women in general, you know, have a misconception of beauty. And the misconception of beauty is due to the fact that the systems of the world has defined beauty. And our minds have lodged onto that definition so much that everybody wants to fit into that model of beauty. Oh, yes. In our dispensation, if you are not slim, you can be beautiful. Oh, yes. that's I'm showing you, yes. And so, a lot of young women, as beautiful as they are, they want to embark on dangerous diets because they want to be slim. Some say they want to have Coca-Cola shape. And I'm wondering, is it the base? So the base, what shape is the base? No, are are you getting what I'm saying? The world has fed our minds with its concepts, its ways of doing things. And we have bought into it. And it has defined us. And so sometimes when somebody is dark-skinned, the person doesn't like it. And wants to apply some creams so that the person becomes fairer because in the concept of beauty the world is pushing to us you must be fair to be beautiful so go to africa and see creams upon creams creams upon creams trying to be fair for what hallelujah amen so that is it's a stronghold in the mind it began with thoughts and as the thoughts progressed it began to push you know the understanding you possess And then when you began to accept it, it took a seat, crossed its legs, and has become a stronghold. And so even young men, when they want to marry, they want to look at women who are fair. Oh, yes. I don't know whether I have time, but there's a funny story about a pastor who got married. And there is a running joke that pastors love women who have a lot of hair, women who are fair, and women who can sing. And this pastor got married to his wife, and saw her. And you know, every time he saw her, the woman was very fair. And then on the first night, when they woke up, you know, woman, you know, all the makeup was gone. And <laughs> realized that this woman is dark. He said, "Hey." <laughs> and then he lifted up his eyes, and he saw that the woman's hair was wig. So he tapped the woman. He said, I our speaking tree, our translator, Ajua, tunyum, tunyum na, odonesa. He says, he says to his wife, you know, he saw that the, the woman is not fair anymore. The hair is not real. So he says, sing, sing. The love is, the love is running out. <laughs> Amen. So it's, it's a concept. And that is what we possess. It defines our reality. That is the wisdom of the world. Amen. If you are a believer, do not permit the world to set standards for you. I'm saying it because if not, you'll be very miserable. Because the world's standards, they change. And I always say it. The beauty in the world is purchased beauty. All the big things, they have bought them. All the big things, they have bought them. Yes. It is purchased. It's not God-given. So you, you should not aspire to be like that. Everything God gave you is perfect. Hallelujah. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Every time you look in the mirror, you have to believe it. It doesn't matter whether your nose is big or small. It doesn't matter whether your mouth is big or small. It doesn't matter if you have a big head like mine. Oh, yes, me, when I slim, uh, it's not nice. (laughs) Because my head, you see it. (laughs) Praise God. It doesn't matter. Praise God. The way God wanted you to be, that's how he made you. And you must be content with it. Praise God. So the Bible says, says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. It means that we are in a battle, but what we fight with are not carnal. Amen. And the weapons, simple too. The Holy Spirit and the word of God. It says, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of what? Strongholds. How do we get rid of strongholds? We'll see today. Let's go. Five. It says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And then the final one. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. The scripture is talking about three things. The first one, thoughts. The second one, imaginations or other versions is arguments. And the third one is strongholds. Now, the devil operates with thoughts. If you are a believer, you have to understand this and understand this very well. The enemy can never get access to you if he doesn't get access to your mind. Let me say it again. He can never get access to you if he doesn't get access to your mind. Everything he makes happen in your life, he's doing it so that you can see it, so that your mind will begin to think in a particular way. Then the door will be opened for him to get access to you. Demons operate according to words. They put words in your mind. And so I always say that you are not responsible For everything that enters your mind. But you are responsible for what remains. Let me say it again. You are not responsible for everything that enters your mind. But what stays in your mind, you are responsible for that. So it means that so many thoughts may come to your mind. But as a believer, you must find a way to receive those that are from you and from God. And push out those that are not from you and not from God. And that is where the real spiritual battle is. The mind of man is the access to the earth. The mind of man is, is what gives access to the earth. When the devil wanted to deceive and get access to the earth, he went through the mind of Eve. That's, what, that's how he went. She, she he, he asked the question, has God really said, right, so it means that he spoke something to Eve's mind that was challenging the knowledge of God that Eve had. And when Eve accepted it, the Bible says she began to look at the fruit and begin to see how beautiful it is and how it will make you wise. Meanwhile, you haven't eaten it, how, are you going to, how, is it, how would you know it will make you wise? Hallelujah. And then when she took part of it, now it became a stronghold. And began to control. The devil operates according to thoughts. If your mind is not renewed everything that enters your mind you will think that it's you. And I always use this illustration about me. I'm very honest about these things. Sometimes when I'm walking I see a woman dressed in a provocative way. Immediately some thoughts begin to come to my mind. But they are not my thoughts. I was just going minding my own business. Minding my own business. Like we say in Ghana, I was in my lane. <laughs> Minding my own business. And then, this person shows up. And all of a sudden, my mind begins to spin at 360 revolutions per second. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thoughts come. But were they my thoughts? No. I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to look at it. But they just showed up. So in that case, I'm not responsible for the thoughts that came. But if that thought remains, I'm responsible. Praise God. And so that is how the devil moves in the lives of those who are in the world. And largely, the believer who doesn't have a renewed mind, he plays on your mind. And I think I've said this before, and I'll that the believer sins before he sins. And it means that Before the believer actually commits the act of sin, the believer has failed in the mind first. You can't just get up and go and fornicate. You you are a human being. It it doesn't work that way. If it works that way, it means you are possessed. We need to cast the demon out. (laughs) Hallelujah. Yeah, it means something has enslaved your will and is using you. Right? But the natural sequence is that a thought enters you, you accept the thought, And you begin to act on the thought. And then the actions follow. And then that's when you sin. And so the mind of a man is the battleground. And if the mind is not renewed, it means the man has nothing in his mind, no scripture, no word to push out the thoughts the devil brings. And it's sadly the state of many believers. Because we don't have relationship with the word. And so we don't know what God has said about A, B, or C. So when the devil suggests it to us, we just go like that. And then we go and regret. And we come back. And it becomes a cycle. Hallelujah. How to break the cycle is to give yourself to the word. That's all. Allow the word of God to be engrafted. We learned it at the beginning. In you, and it will save your soul. Hallelujah. It will deliver you from anything that wants to hold you bound. It's the word that renews the mind. The Holy Spirit leads us into the word. He brings us the revealed word, the revelations. It changes the mindset we have. The thoughts that we have that are not of God, he takes them out. And then he replaces them with the thoughts of God. Hallelujah. And then because our minds are filled with the thoughts of God, We find that it's easy to do what God wants us to do. So if the believer is not attentive to these things, you will see that there is always a struggle. There is always a challenge. Praise God. This morning, the Lord sent me to tell you that you have been equipped to overcome everything you are going through. He sent me to tell you that the keys to walk in victory are in your hands. He sent me to announce to you that every day you wake up, this word is there for you. And if you are not going to give it, your mind to the word, it's going to be very difficult. Hallelujah. I have put here, when we renew our minds, we dismantle the strongholds that binds us to the ways of the world. That is breaking the influence of the wisdom of the world in our lives. Hallelujah. I want to conclude with one scripture, Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Philippians 4, 8. The Bible says, it says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, and I've put here consistent with the truth in the word. Whatsoever things are honest. I put here, consistent with the character of Jesus Christ. Whatsoever things are just, and I put here, consistent with the righteousness of God. Whatsoever things are pure, and I put here, consistent with the holiness and purity of Jesus Christ. Whatsoever things are lovely, and I put here, is given to promote love among the brethren. Whatsoever things are of good report, and I have put here, sounds well in accordance with the word. If there be any virtue, it means that according to God's word and the kingdom, if it is excellent. And if there be any praise, that means according to God's word and the kingdom, if it's commendable. It says, think on these things. Hallelujah. It means fix your mind on these things. It means every time we get into the word, all these eight or seven things are what is happening. And when we fail to do this, there will be struggles. Hallelujah. But if we will fix our minds on these things, if we make a conscious effort, the blessings of the kingdom will be ours. Amen. I brought the word to an end.